Megan, you know what I love about our partner, The Essential Calendar? I love the product so much, of course, but I also love that it comes from a small business founded by two moms. Right, just like us. Listeners, if you're drowning in details right now, like summer camps, travel plans, end of school year mayhem, give yourself the gift of The Essential Calendar, a seasonal at-a-glance poster-sized calendar for your wall. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 142 of The Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. Gosh, I I wish we were together. (laughs) I know. We're not together in person. If you listened last week, we were. We're back to our remote recording situation, although with some new software this week. So we're going to see how that goes, how this goes. Um, So last week, you guys, we talked about an update on what our working mom life looks like. Megan works full time and then some. I work part time with not enough childcare. We both have kind of unique situations. Um, And the response was really interesting. And we also got a lot of follow up questions and topic requests from you guys. Not just working mom ones, though. Actually, our plan was to kind of do a follow up with some working mom questions. But we actually got some really great questions from stay at home moms who might want to enter the workforce or just are are showing the flip side of that coin. So we're calling this kind of, it's a working mom, stay at home mom, listener questions episode. And it's really a follow up on last week. So So it's for everyone. It's for all of you. And where you are on the spectrum and you you belong here. So yeah, you do. And and we know we say a million times that it's not just the old days of like, you're either out of the house 40 hours a week or you're full time at home. There's so many in-betweens, which I see as a really positive thing, but it is, it can sometimes create an identity crisis. We talked about that a little bit last week too. Yeah, it really can. And, and I think th- and you and I have both been all over the spectrum from fully stay at home to fully outside the house working to some kind of weird amalgam yeah. of everything. So we, we can speak to all of it. We can. <laughs> at all stages as well. We've done kind of everything at all at all different stages. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I wanted to mention we did a fun little Facebook Live last week that I'll link up in the show notes. Um, and then, of course, the actual episode from last week will link up. If you're if you if none of that is on your radar, just stay with us. This will be a great, great conversation anyway. Um, and then also we're going to have a fun little segment with some of our kids. We're not sure who yet at the end of this episode talking about Uh, what they think we do for a living. So stay tuned for that. (laughs) Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product, Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay. Well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. 
Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, so we're going to launch into these listener questions. And the first one came from Jillian, and she sent it to us via Facebook. So Megan, why don't you read Jillian's question? Um, Hi, Megan and Sarah. I'm a full-time working mom. I work an 8 to 4.30 job at a credit union. At a credit union. I love it there, and my job is really good to me. My kids are soon to be 4 and 19 months old, both girls. I spend about 40 hours a month in my car commuting to and from work and picking up the kids. Our struggle is we are losing so much time commuting that the evenings are so rushed. Get home, make dinner, eat, takes about 45 minutes arguing about finishing dinner, then bedtime routine, another 45 minutes at least. I'm lucky if I'm done and the kids are in bed quiet at nine. I'd love to have here if you have experience working far from home or if you have any suggestions for more enriching activities, there are quick setup and cleanup while I make dinner. That's a lot of driving. Yeah, it is a lot of driving. Um, I, I do want to point out that she says yes. she loves her job. And that's important because I think our answer would be if very different job, yeah. if she was commuting to a job that she hated. Um, so let's assume that this is a really great fit of a job that she loves. Um, and the commuting is causing it's it, the commuting is hard. And then it's also causing sort of that squeeze yeah. in the evening. Um, so I'll just offer a few thoughts, maybe on the commute first, Um, because it sounds like she loves her job. Maybe it's a little bit of a mindset shift and a few little tips and tricks to make the commute time more intentional to use a word that we seem to throw around a lot lately. Um, We've talked a lot lately about like routines and rituals and sort of choosing, choosing to infuse your days and weeks with things that make you really happy. So I don't know. I love to use technology. Anytime technology can help me with these things, I love it. So I was thinking like a favorite playlist or a favorite podcast that really intentionally gets her mind in the right place. If she gets to be in the car by herself, um, maybe once a week you call 
your friend or have a phone date at that time. You and I use Voxer, which is a voice messaging app um, that if you can't get on the phone with a friend, you could still leave basically like an epically right. long voicemail. <laughs> um, that's another fun yeah. thing to do in the car. So maybe sort of making a list of things that she could do in the car when it's just her that would make it feel kind of like me time or like I'm choosing to use this time for X. And that could be anything from like chilling out to really calm music to being productive, like sending herself voice memos that will maybe take the pressure off of work. So I don't think it has to be one thing or another, but just something. And then when the kids are in the car with her, because I think she uh, picks them up. It sounds like her husband takes them in the morning. She picks them up. Um, I was thinking same thing. Like maybe there's like a wind down playlist that she can find on Spotify or like a really calming audiobook that the kids look forward to and kind of gets them into a calm state of mind for the evening. So that was my thoughts is just like thinking, okay, I'm in the car. I'm stuck in the car either by myself or with my kids. What are the little things that can turn this into from a burden into a part of my day that is consistent with my values, I guess is how. I think. Yeah, no, I think that's really good advice. And um, to build on that, it's it would be interesting to know how much of the commute is with the kids and how much is without. I know for me personally, it's shifting gears, especially when I had a like a toddler and a four year old was hard between work and home. Sometimes you walk in the door and for me, it was always more like walking in the door or my kids yes. all coming in the, the house and just smothering me and me being yes. like, I haven't had a chance to transition. So if she's going like right from work, five minutes away, she picks her right. kids up and then she's in the ki- car with her kids for 45 minutes. That to me feels like way more stressful than if it was half yes. an hour in the car by herself. Yeah. And, and I don't think kids. we have that. We don't have that piece of the data. <laughs> we, don't, so. we don't have that information, but it's just, it, it just kind of, it puts a different spin on like yeah. the way I mentally think about it. So I will say I have not had that kind of commute with kids after work, but I have had to face like that kind of serious drive time in my life. Um, sometimes daily, sometimes in chunks. Like I remember for a while I was traveling back and forth to Chicago a lot and had the kids with me often. And so a part of it is mindset. And especially because would you feel the same way if you were, um, if it was like a Saturday morning and you had to be in the car for like an hour and a half, but you knew when you got there, you had the whole day and the day was yours. Or is it because you're trying yes. to get to the evening routine yes. and the drive is an obstacle? So like if the if the drive isn't going to go away and you don't want to change the job, I think it's really smart to look at, you know, some of the ways like Sarah was saying of using that time really wisely. Um if the childcare situation is what it is and that's not going to change as well, that's right. maybe your only option. If anything can change, maybe it's shifting it one way or the other so that you pick the kids up later or you pick them up sooner, whatever, you know, is kind of that. Um, yeah. Like whatever you think is the sticking point for you. Um, is it possible that you could have a sitter get the kids a couple days a week and take them home and start the, the routine? I mean, just something to. I love that idea. Yeah. That's, that's more outside the box. And sometimes I'm not as good at thinking that way that you are. Yeah. And I don't think it has to be every day. I think if you had like two days a week where you knew you would leave work, be home in half an hour, walk in the door. And even if it's just the kids are ready to start dinner and you don't have to like get their coats off. I just feel like something like like the in the door transition. Yeah. So chaotic. Um, Yeah. 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 And and I know at a credit union, you probably can't do much about your hours, but I would just, if anybody else was in a position like this, um, I would say, you know, it's worth finding out if there's such a thing as flex time, even if it's a half hour earlier and you're in the door half an hour earlier, you might find that that makes such a big difference. I I don't know, credit union, I'm thinking they're probably window hours that she has to work around, but maybe not. So I just want to float that as a possibility. Like if everything is great, but there's one little thing that's not great, sometimes having 
a half hour difference in your schedule yeah. can make an enormous difference. So it's worth raising the question. And at you, work if it, um, if it's for those who possible. haven't listened last week, I think, I think Megan, you were really like encouraging and inspiring about, well, first of all, it's, it's part of your personality, Megan, to like, if people give you the schedule and the options, then you're like, well, how about we don't do that? <laughs> how about we do this? <laughs> but also you talked about how you've gotten better as you've gotten older and more experienced about getting creative with asking for flex time. Yeah. It's not just like, well, I have kids, so I want to leave early. You've you've really gotten creative with your different jobs. So that's that's worth a listen if people haven't listened to that. Yeah. And that was, you know, for me, I was doing a live radio broadcast, which you wouldn't really think there's any flexibility. It's live and right. it's radio. But and I was like, creative. but I was like, does it have to be live though? Seriously? Yes. <laughs> you know, I, where there's a will, there's a way. And I think because I was willing to demonstrate my seriousness and value in a way that that didn't hurt me as much, like wasn't as painful for me, but still gave them what they needed. Like it was a win, win, win. So yeah, right. definitely worth a listen. Well, let's talk about her actual evening routine for a second. Cause that was kind of the other part of the question. Um, you didn't read this part, but she told us that her girls love to watch bubble guppies when they get home and she feels really guilty about that, but it lets her put dinner together. So I want to say first, let's lose the guilt. Um, I think more, almost every mom in the universe puts on a 30 minute show so they can make dinner. And if they don't, they probably don't make dinner. They're like, that's me. (laughs) I don't let them watch TV and then I just don't make dinner. So, um, I was going to suggest again, um, kind of choosing to drop the guilt, choose instead of letting TV feel like, Oh man, I let them watch TV again. And that's, I I said, I wasn't going to, and I've broken my rule. Just change your mind about the rule and and decide that a 30 minute TV show is part of the wind down routine. Now, once you decide that, I think especially the almost four-year-old can probably start to have a few um, like little jobs or tasks tied to the privilege of watching a TV show that might even make the coming in the door a little easier. So maybe now it's like, Hey guys, we get to watch a show as part of our coming home routine. Before we watch the show, everyone's shoes are going to be by the door. Lunches are going to be unpacked. And it sounds silly now if they're not even four and 19 months, but in a year they can do those things. Like you and I have yeah, laughed and about it'll make like, a big difference. Yeah. And like, like setting I, the stage now. Exactly. And I bet at school they have little jobs like that. Hang up your coat. Oh yeah. Um, you could also have the four-year-old get in her pajamas before she watches the show. There's yeah. no reason you can't eat dinner in your... Now, I don't know if they're doing a bath, so that would be a little different. But just like you get creative with the work situation, get creative about what needs to happen before bed. And maybe some of it can happen right when you walk in the door before the TV show so that the dinner to bed is a little less loaded. Does that make sense? Yeah, so like maybe totally. the four-year-old is supposed to go upstairs and lay out her pajamas and lay out the next day's clothes. Like a four-year-old can really do that. And now she's really motivated to do that because she gets to watch bubble guppies. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yeah. so I feel like there's a lot of um, creativity there. I'm also going to just probably suggest, as we do often, Megan, that um, there's probably parts of the dinner routine and parts of the bedtime routine that you're doing because you think you, you, think have, you to. have to. And yeah. if it's 45 minutes to eat and 45 minutes to get to bed, m- there might be something that can be shaved off, whether it's a yeah. bath. We've talked about we don't necessarily bathe our kids every night. Maybe it's w- one of the stories. Maybe the four-year-old gets an audio book while you put the baby to bed. And then instead of a full reading session, it's a quick tuck-in. Like we, we, These are things we've talked about in other episodes of our show, but I think examining those routines and being tough with yourself and saying, okay, what is really non-negotiable and what am I doing? Because, you know, I've always done it this way and I, this is what good moms do and yada, yada. So something's got to give, something's got to give in that evening routine. Yeah. Something's (laughs) got to give. And I want to build on that to say um, as well that 
one thing about routines is routines are wonderful, but you can have the routine be slightly different one night a week. If you really feel like you want to have a leisurely dinner and a leisurely bedtime with lots of stories, like that could be Mm -hmm. Sunday night Mm -hmm. or that could be one night a week. That doesn't have to be every single night. So if you feel like you're doing short shrift, maybe Monday through Thursday or whatever nights it is because you just don't have it in you. Just keep in mind that you can still have like that experience of the longer, more leisurely evening. Maybe you just do it fewer times a week. Right. Um, So I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off. It still gives you what you ultimately want, which is that connection. Yeah. It just doesn't have to look the same every day. Yeah. And the other thing I will also say is um, Jillian's in Massachusetts. Yes. So I just want to say in solidarity with another, (laughs) from another cold weather climate, um, everything feels terrible right now. <laughs> like it's seriously the, the amount of life energy that cold and dark and snow yes. and dealing with all that can take out of you and the driving, driving yeah, driving in the snow, um, drive in knowing that the car has to warm up and then knowing that everyone's going to be cold. Like when you get out of the car and you have to hold kids hands so they don't slip and like everything is just so much more work this time of year. And it's like the nights feel shorter and your energy is really low. So I bet you, you know, in six months, your kids are going to be a little bit older. Um, It's going to be nice and summery and you're going to have long leisurely evenings where you can throw something on the grill and your kids can run around the backyard. You're going to be like newly sunlight. Yeah. So like anything else, this will pass. Yeah, that's so true. Um, And I would say with the ages of her kids too, like four is going to feel like a big step up in maturity. Um, You guys know how I feel about 18 to 24 month olds. Like they are hard in all of like the hardest possible ways. So that baby is going to be two and a half pretty soon in that warm weather. And man, life's going to be easier. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, should we move on to the next question? That was a really Let's good one, it. actually. I feel like that covered yeah. just... We've covered everything. Let's oh, just end it. A lot. <laughs> We're done. No, that was a, there was a lot of common issues, I think, um, yes. yeah, in that one. Okay, so I'll set up this next one. Um, and this listener asked to remain anonymous, which is always an option when you email us with a question, yep. of course. Um, she is a stay-at-home mom. Um, and has been staying at home for 13 years and really didn't have like a professional career experience pre-motherhood. And so she wants some long-term advice about looking ahead for the next few years and thinking about re-entering the workforce. Um, She asks, how can I translate the real-life skills that I've had for the last 13 years into an official-sounding resume, basically? And what can I do over the next few years to plan ahead for that future resume? I love this question because even 13 years ago, it was such a different workplace. This is like, I see this as like kind of an opportunity. Me too. Me too. Well, because you're not, and I really didn't have a professional experience to becoming a mom um, at all. And then when I did work, when my kids were really little, it wasn't, I knew it wasn't going to be that was not my path, right? It wasn't so, career work. It wasn't yeah. career work. And it was the, everything was just wide open. Like I could do anything. And sometimes when you can do anything, it's really paralyzing. Right. Because if you could do anything, you do nothing. So I guess the first, um, and we both kind of have tips for like touching on this, but figure out what you might want to do. Like, what is it that you want to do so you can start looking for those opportunities? And Sarah, you had some good ideas for like how to start identifying what your passions might be actually be since you don't know? Yeah, I was going to say to start with, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of like any kind of, you know, psychology or like self-help, self-knowledge books. I mean, I read a lot of those types of books, but um, this just recently, I've been reading a couple of Gretchen Rubin's books. One is The Four Tendencies. One is Better Than Before. All of those types of books are really about understanding 
your unique, how you respond to situations. They're not, it's not like find the right career for me books. In fact, I wouldn't even start there. I would start with like, what are the fun ways to get to know yourself? Like maybe you want to get really into Myers-Briggs personality stuff or Enneagram, like any method of self-discovery, yeah. I think starts your brain ticking in like, what am I really good at? And I, I would actually caution you not to do it in a traditional career sense, because you're probably going to limit yourself. If you think, what jobs do I know are out there and would I like them? Yeah. And, and like, would, what path do I get on now so I can get to that next yeah. level? Yeah. I'm talking about more, more fun. Think of it as like play and curiosity and what, um, you know, Okay. I'll, I'll try and list some books in the show notes because I feel like I'm not being very articulate, but any book that challenges you to think about what makes you tick, what makes you uniquely you, um, and don't think of it as like a big assignment. Think of it as just sort of, like I said, fun exploration, self-discovery, and you can do that at any time. And maybe she's already doing that kind of stuff, um, in which case we can offer some more tips. But if you're not, I think I think that would be a really fun place to start. You could do it via podcast or books or audiobooks or you know, magazine subscriptions. I think there's lots of different ways to start to think about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at like, look at us, Sarah, like look at our, our crazy career paths. I mean, before I had kids, I worked a uh, food service because I was a kid myself. Then I had kids. Yeah. Then I was an office manager for um, a midwife group and thought maybe I might want to get into birth work, then realized I don't like getting woken up in the middle of the night. So that was out. <laughs> and then it was like, oh, but maybe I'd like to be a writer. I mean, I was all over the place. And that's great. I'm so glad I took that time. And I'm so glad that my career path was so meandering because how would I have imagined 20 years ago that I would be a co-owner right. of a podcast network? Right. <laughs> you know, right. it's like, and you too, like the work that you did before that, before yeah. having kids, yeah. loosely, like the skill sets you learned are still there and they're still helping right. you now. But the, the work has nothing to do with it. It's like completely right. different kinds of work. So I don't know, just, it's just an interesting, yeah. I like the idea of like kind of taking the pressure off and I will say doing some kind of freelance work. If you're worried about resume building, um, something freelance, something volunteer, something just all hands on deck kind of stuff, like jumping into your, you know, like a committee for something, maybe on a volunteer level yeah. could unearth some skills and help you find a good fit. And that's always something you can pad a resume with. Sure. But I'll also say that when it comes down to it, getting a job is all about spin. I mean, everybody yeah. spins, right? And yep. so just because you didn't have a professional life before motherhood, like don't feel less than and like you have to now prove something by going out and getting all these official sounding things to put on your resume. Because right. again, where there's a will, there's a way and you can find a way to wiggle in that door. It's really all about relationships and the people yep. that you know, and the people who know you and know that you're a good fit. And you can't do that just by checking things off yep. the traditional path. I, I totally agree. And in a way, um, this listener situation is very different from, let's say somebody was an attorney and was working them their way up the partner um, path at a firm and then took a 10-year break. That person's resume is is going to have holes in a different way if they're trying to re-enter the same system. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas, whereas not having had, not having been on a, a traditional or a, like a really scripted trajectory like that, um, this listener really gets to build a resume based on the skills she has. Um, and based on, like you said, volunteer experience or, you know, freelance work or whatever. And there's not the expectation. There's not the, the really glaring visible gap. Does that make sense? So I think that's, that's kind of a benefit in a way. Um, 
Another thing I was going to mention is get on LinkedIn um, and, or other sites, because I think there's other ones, um, and, and start to look at the way resumes are written and formatted. Sometimes, and I am guilty of this, we build something up to be like this big official document. And I think this listener used official sounding document. That was actually in her question. Yeah. And so we build those things up into like a resume with a capital R is this big, scary thing. I would actually just poke around and start to look at and, and see if you can find maybe some, you know, some industries that would be similar to what you'd be going into and, and start to, like you said, everything is spin. Start to see if you can poke between the lines and, and find some resumes that really probably are from moms or dads who were at home for several years and see how they're doing that spin. Um, A resume is often one sheet of paper. It's not like you have to write a thesis and defend why you've been at home for 13 years. You don't have to do that. And anybody who asks you to probably isn't the best employer for you. Does that make sense? So I think it's fun to look at resumes. They may be less intimidating than you think. And you may find some that you're like, oh, I could tell this is someone like me. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have one little word of caution, I guess, for for anonymous. as a maybe five-time multi-level marketing candidate type seller person, they were called direct sales in my days. I don't know if they still call it that. I'll just caution. There are so many of those opportunities going around right now. So many. And also going beyond direct sales and you know party sales and multi-level marketing, there's also a lot of sites geared toward like, like that specifically go out of their way to advertise uh, work to stay-at-home moms. And I would just really caution you that easy entry, like just because something bills itself as like an easy way in for a stay at home mom, it's still work. And so if you do that work, you might not have the stay at home mom life that you want that you're trying to set up for yourself because you're still joining a business. You're still, you know, you're still doing something that's going to take a lot of work and you may find it's not even something you want to do. So just because you love the product doesn't mean you're going to be good at selling the product just because right. you're at home doesn't mean you necessarily want to be a mystery shopper. And Hey, I've done all of those things to, to earn a little money. So I don't have any judgment about it at all, except just to say that I think it can be misleading and they're an enormous amount of work. If you want to do them at the level that a lot of the time it's being sold to you at. And so for me, I I ultimately realized that just because I'm entrepreneurially minded, just because I like sales, just because I wanted to own a business didn't mean any of those opportunities were the right opportunity for me. And I, I wasted honestly a lot of money and time figuring that out. So that's just like a word of caution that I feel like we have to say. And think of, think of like how they say that, like perfect for stay at home moms. Well, we all know that not all stay at home moms tick the same way. That's why going back to like the idea of a little bit of self-discovery, you know, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Are you, is, is so much more applicable than are you a stay at home mom than this job's for you? So yeah, I, I would, I would agree that um, just be being cautious of jobs that are promised to be perfect for stay at home moms, because that may not be, you may, you may really be looking forward to being out of the house for 25 hours a week once all your kids are in school full time. And so that's a very different, you know, very different approach. Or you may actually just want to be a stay at home mom right now and not worry about working, uh, having to maintain sales and stuff like that, in which case work is work and it's going to take away from that. So just knowing what you're getting into, I guess is really important. And and just because it seems easy and it can be very validating, like, Oh, this is for you because you're a mom and it feels easier because someone told you it's for you. Right. Um, but that's how they get (laughs) you. So just be careful. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? 
Hyo was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Hyo's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Motion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Okay, so shall we jump into our final questions? Yeah. Okay. So this is actually interesting. We we had a really hard time narrowing down um, our selection, our final selections. And what I love about these two questions, we're actually going to answer them together because they're yep. similar. But one is from a working mom's perspective, and one is from a stay-at-home mom's perspective. But essentially, it's the same question. And what I think it kind of showed us is that we all struggle with some of the same things, regardless of where the work is taking place. If the work yeah. is taking place outside the home or inside the home, we all struggle with certain you know, things the same. And so I, lo- I just love setting these two questions up together. So that, it's so true. Yeah, and because there's really no point of breaking it out, we would have answered Becky's the same way as Sarah's. So yeah. the first question comes from Becky and hers um, came in, I think in an email. Uh, I think it was Facebook. Okay. Sorry. So I'm going to read that one. And then the second one came in via a voice recording on SpeakPipe. So then we'll play that one. So Becky says, okay. I'd love to hear how working moms unplug from work to be present for their kids. I race home, sometimes right behind my kid's bus. And then they're all over me with needs and questions for the next four hours before I can even change out of my work clothes. I often feel irritable and stressed because I haven't had any transition time. Thanks. Okay. And then Sarah, we're going to play her message and she is staying at home full time and is also just kind of struggling with that end of day irritability. So here's Sarah. Hey, Megan and Sarah. My name is Sarah from Canada and I absolutely love your show. I found your podcast just on accident and I've been listening to it ever since. It's really, really helps me. I am a mom of 
a three-year-old and a nine-month-old, and I stay at home. My question to you is I find myself very snippy, um, mostly towards the end of the day, like around four o'clock when dinner is getting started. And I don't do this on purpose, obviously, but I think it's just the exhaustion because my nine-month-old still wakes up in the middle of the night to get a bottle because she's actually hungry. And um, my sleep is deprived. And um, so I find I get snippy sometimes throughout the day and my patience runs thin. And I'm just, I'm just honestly looking for some hope at the end of the tunnel and hoping that <laughs> this gets a little bit better because I still feel like my hormones are kind of like out of place and stuff. So if you could provide me with some hope and inspiration, that would be great. Um, and maybe some tips to, I don't know, just kind of ease off on being snippy towards my family sometimes because I really don't mean to. But I think it's just what happens when you give and give and give all day. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. Okay. So thanks to Becky and Sarah for sending in their questions. I love how similar they are, even though their lives are very different and the structure of their day is very different. Um, so Becky, you don't say how old your kids are, but I'm going to kind of address Becky's question first. I'm going to guess they're younger because she's racing home to catch the bus, which makes me think she doesn't have a lot of wiggle room. Um, but they're not probably babies because she's not, not picking them up from daycare. She's not so. picking them up. So maybe they're like young yeah, elementary maybe. school kids. Yeah. Um, one thing I would say is if they are, you know, if there's, any possibility of maybe not racing so fast if there's any way to kind of make that part a little just go a little slower if you can and I don't know their ages so if you know if they're six years old then that's probably not going to work but if you've got a an eight-year-old and 11 year old you might have a little more wiggle room and sometimes I think we're like panicky about making sure we're there but I know so many parents whose kids get themselves in the house and are there for 15 minutes and the mom doesn't have to panic so that's just kind of like a I guess depending on your circumstances the race part might be what's setting you up like the adrenaline rush right <laughs> of rushing home and then walking in and being like now I'm just trying to settle, but I can't because I just got myself in like fight or flight mode. Um, right. It can be really, really difficult to do. So again, like anything you can change, change what you can. And I don't know what that is in your circumstance. Um, I love that no matter what kind of work you're doing at home or, or out of the homework, we're realizing like end of the day, like don't, didn't both of them reference like four or five o'clock? Yeah. Yeah. 4 PM, 4 PM is just bonkers. It it is bonkers. And also I find that I have a big energy, um, lag around that time of day. Like if I was going to go home and take a nap, it would be like four or five o'clock. That is when I really, really just want to rest. So those transition moments are tough. Um, snippiness is normal. I still get it. I don't get it around that time of day as much anymore because my life is just so different and my kids are older. But when I do get it, it's like you kind of just have to sit with it, let it pass, apologize if you've been kind of over the line. And we can get into more of that. I know you have some specific tips for stay-at-home moms for that. But I remember having like total workarounds when my kids were younger and I was doing more of that. Like they would walk in the door and be all over me. I remember Mm -hmm. actually going out to Dairy Queen and going through the drive-thru and getting dilly bars and then having them like on the table. So that when the kids walked in or when I picked them up from daycare or wherever, or from school or wherever I was picking them up from, I would literally be like, here, take these. I'm going to go to my room for 15 minutes. And I would buy me like 15 minutes just to go like lie in my bed, stare at the yep. ceiling, write in my journal, change my clothes, put on something really comfy. Maybe that's like a way that you can kind of make that feel really good. That transition yeah. work to home. Like, 
put on PJs or sweats or whatever yes. makes you feel super great. Um, I guess I feel like I'm rambling a little bit, but it's all about the workaround that helps you make the switch. And sometimes that might that might mean like buying yourself some time. Yeah. And let's let's go a little bit more into again, we we don't know how old they are, but we're assuming elementary because they're getting off the bus. And so I'm going to venture out and say um, Becky is probably still doing things the way she did when they were even littler, getting the snacks, um, responding to their needs really immediately because we get in the habit. And when you have multiple kids, you're just doing that for a while. And I've said this before, you wake up one day and you realize, wait, they're totally capable of getting their own snack. Or I have to put a a chore, a routine or whatever you want to call it, like a, like a chore list yeah. in place because they are capable of coming in, unpacking their own lunches, hanging their backpacks up and getting a snack, but that you have to actually make that shift. Yes. They are not going to volunteer. That's- I know mother. <laughs> How about when we get home from school? Now we do all of this on our own. I've had to be really intentional about that. And my, you're so are- right. Yeah. Um, and, and even a kindergartner can understand the concept of like, I'm so happy to see you. Let me give you a big hug. Mm-hmm. Now mom needs 10 minutes yeah. and I'm going to go in my bedroom and shut my door. And I want you to go sit at the island and have your snack or whatever yes. it is. But like, I need some time and kids even really, as long as they're like, as soon as they're, by the time they're school aged, yeah. they're old enough to understand that, that they can't be all over you with needs and questions that any question can hold right. any need. Mostly, you know, mostly any need can be, paused for a couple of minutes while you pull yourself together. And you're so right that when, when they're trained for that and when your mindset shifts and you don't feel guilty about that yeah. and you don't feel so, so frantic about it again, it's like that adrenaline getting rid of that adrenaline rush yeah. that just makes you feel like everything is an emergency. And I've actually found that my kids sometimes respond really positively when I say, okay guys, like here's the way we're going to do things now. Like the novelty seems like they don't feel like they're being, having something taken away from them or they're being given like this onerous job. They're like, Oh, okay. It's like the novelty of a new system or a new, you know, a new responsibility that they get to do something on their own or whatever. I was also going to say if snacks, if the after school rush, I know my kids are really hungry after school. Um, just like you prep meals or you prep breakfast, yeah. any kind of prep ahead snacks um, that are what the kids look forward to. I mean, that could buy you some time. I loved what you said about putting on comfy clothes. That is such a trigger for me of like, now I'm in my cozy space and I'm in my home and there's a physical transition happening from work. If like, you know how, like if you're wearing tight pants or tights or something, yes. you just are grumpy. So, and then if you change out of those into like equally tight, like, but now they're just casual pants, right. you don't feel better. Like, right. I need to go sometimes full, like full bore, like hoodie, t-shirt, ponytail. and sweats. I need a, po- ponytail. I need a ponytail stat. I need comfy exactly. socks. You know, I need like, yep. and so yeah. get that bra off if you have to, yes. if you can, you know. And, and that is true. I don't care if you have triplets who are 18 months, like you deserve to have that change of clothes. So, so do what you need to do to build that time in. Now, now you're looking at, there's still several hours before bedtime and, and kids are still demanding. So Megan, I think you gave some good tips for, you know, taking small breaks, telling the kids you're going to lie down, just setting some boundaries. We talked about that recently. Um, I feel like Becky's probably on the verge of, you know, kids really being able to do quite a bit more independently. Um, and, 
and we have to own that. We have to like yeah. kind of celebrate the fact that we worked really hard to get to the point where our kids can occupy themselves for a few minutes. So claim that time for sure. Yes, um, can absolutely. I, can I mention a few things from my stay at home mom days um, for to absolutely. address Sarah's Sarah's question? Because like you said, there's it's two sides to the same coin, but there's a few things when you have been with your small children all day. Four o'clock right. is just brutal. Um, so I'll just mention a few. One is that zoning out on my phone makes me grumpier. I wish that weren't true. I wish that Instagram made me feel like loving my children and reconnecting them with them, but it doesn't. It makes me grumpier. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet the grumpier I am, the more I want to zone out on my phone. I am not necessarily a good example of this. Do what I say, not what I do, but I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, uh, Outings later in the day always seemed like a hassle to me, especially if it's winter where you are, or I lived in Arizona where it was 110 by the afternoon. Um, But I will say that Sometimes I got in this mindset of like, okay, after nap, they wake up at like three from nap. And now I think, well, we can't go anywhere because I got to start dinner at 4.30. So why? So, But that hour between three and 4.30 feels like a hundred years if you're at home with it is very long so uh, forcing yourself to do little outings um including drive-thrus i was a big fan of i would we could pick up our library books in a drive-thru we could go drop off a prescription in a drive-thru i would i would invent a million things errands to run that we didn't even have to get out of the car just to get out of the house um and i think the the late in the afternoon outings can seem like a big hurdle but they can Mm -hmm. actually break up the time really well um In terms of making dinner, um, because that came up in our first listener question, I think Sarah mentioned it too. Um, I have major inertia anytime after 3.30 or 4 o'clock with regard to dinner. So when I was staying at home with little kids, I would trick myself by I would take meat out to thaw or to come to room temperature or whatever as early in the day as I could from a food safety perspective, or if it wasn't the meat, I would take some produce out of the crisper, the bell peppers and put them on the counter. Like at 10 or 11 in the morning before the kids went down for nap, because nap time came and I always, I didn't, I never wanted to cook during nap. I I was either working and I needed to get a couple of hours of work in, or I wanted to do my own thing. Um, But if the food was physically out on the counter, including like the bag of couscous and the, just the visual and they're sitting there, then I'd look at them when the kids went down for a nap, I think, okay, I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to chop this right. bell pepper. Well, now I have a chopped bell pepper that's going to go in a stir fry and the meat is thawed. And by, you know, it's just a little bit easier. So whatever you can do to um, like trick yourself into that, like I, I have to make dinner for my family, but I don't have to start mm-hmm. at four o'clock. So what am I going to do earlier in the day? And those were just little tricks that sort of yeah. worked for me. Yeah, I, that's really good. And I, I want to actually back up to the last experience mm-hmm. I had as an at-home mom. Though I was working from home, I was at home um, with three little kids at one point, And it was when Clara was a newborn. Mm-hmm. William was not yet in kindergarten and, and Owen was like three. Okay. And so that was like the last time I had a really hairy yeah. thing. <laughs> I find that I found that using nap time to do stuff I really wanted to do that I found really really mentally challenging or yeah. fulfilling, whether it was work. I used to spend a lot of my nap time writing. I remember mm-hmm. like laying on the bed, um, you know, cause sometimes like Clara would just kind of snuggle up with me and go to sleep. This was when she was a little bit older, but I would be sitting there and I would just write and write and write and write. And something about using nap time in a way that I found really personally rewarding made the rest of the day go faster for yeah. some reason. And I don't know if it's because I didn't feel like I spent the entire nap time doing grunt work. Mm-hmm. And then the nap and then they wake up from the nap and then you still have a bunch more work to do. And it felt like, when am I ever going to get a chance to use my brain? When am I going to get a chance to rest? Um, And those kind of things. So I don't know. I think we've talked about using nap time wisely before. 
Um, yeah. And I, I was the same as you because I always felt like I needed a physical break. I mean, I was sleep deprived, yeah. like Sarah said, um, but I was also on my feet a lot yeah. and I just felt like I wanted to sit down, not yeah. make dinner. And so, yeah, yeah. I, I was always, usually I was working because in those days I had like, you know, a five to 10 hour a week um, yeah. job. And so it was, it was the amount of people would say, how do you fit in 10 hours? I'm like, well, that's five days of naps. If my kids take right. naps. And <laughs> that was, that was as much yeah. work as I could do. It was like five to 10 hours a week. So I will say that that, that period of my life was the most satisfying I had with, with little kids at home was that period when I was writing a lot and I was really taking advantage of those nap times to do it. And then there was a lot of other circumstances at the same time going on and, and that kind of thing. But just, I think just having something to do that's about you and what yeah. you want to do and not necessarily about keeping up your house or taking care of your kids. And even if it's just for an hour in the afternoon and like didn't hurt that I was putting my feet up and yeah. I was in a darkened room that didn't hurt either, you yeah. know, but just like those little moments of self-care through the day, yeah. whatever self-care looks like for you, maybe it's a bath and maybe it's work. Like yeah. work can also be a way of taking care yes. of yourself if you're, if, if you, if it fulfills you. Yes. So, so, um, what I think is funny. So we've kind of circ- we've gone back and forth, Becky's work outside the home and Sarah's, you know, full-time at home. We've decided four o'clock is terrible no matter what. Um, I also want to say nobody can power through at a hundred percent energy mm-hmm. all day and then expect nope. not to be snippy from four to 7 PM. I'm like the worst example of that. Cause I've told you guys, I have my best energy early in the day and the, the afternoons and evenings are hard for me. But like you said, Megan, building in reserves earlier in the day, I think can work for no matter what your situation is. Um, and then my final thought about being grumpy with your family, because I have a fair amount of experience in that area <laughs> is that kids do not need a mom who's never grumpy. Kids need a mom who can model what it's like to be a human being with real emotions. So if you take the pressure off of never being grumpy, because that's not going to happen. I think even little kids can understand, like, I'm really sorry I yelled. Mommy's feeling really tired today. I didn't get enough sleep last night. And sometimes when we're extra tired, you know, we don't make the best choices. And I'm sorry. Um, That just practice that. Just do it over and over again. And and it's, it's good for you. It's good for you to believe that apology. I mean, apologizing to yourself, you know, apologizing to your kids, but kids, you, you are modeling, you are not meant to model perfect behavior for your kids. You're meant to model what it looks like to screw up. That's, that's just the truth. And and then the good behavior you're modeling is taking accountability for it and changing what you can. And when you can't changing, change something, you apologize when you have to, and you write it out and you make up for it with, you know, other ways. I think that there's lots of ways that we can acknowledge the elephant in the room. Like mom's grumpy. Yeah, <laughs> It's grumpy mom day. I'm feeling like yelly mom. I remember like I would say yelly mom's coming out right yep. now. I really just need everyone to go to bed now because yelly mom yep. is about to come out or I really need everyone to do whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, Sarah did ask for light at the end of the tunnel. And I think what I would say is, like grumpiness doesn't go away. I still get snippy. It happens. I tend to get snippy late at night when I go out to the kitchen and like find that the dishes weren't done the way you know to yeah. my standards or whatever. That tends to be when my grumpiness comes out. Um, but I will say as the kids get older, what I find is like, they don't have to be around me being grumpy. I just have a lot more opportunities to yes. remove myself from the situation <laughs> so and get true. away from it. And it doesn't affect them. They don't affect me as much and I don't affect them as much. So if there's a light at the end of the tunnel, it's that it won't always feel so intense and unescapable and in your face yeah. as it does right now. And also, um, this sounds real obvious, but when your baby starts sleeping through the night, I guarantee you're going to feel yes. less grumpy. <laughs> My youngest child did not sleep through the night once ever. Like not a, not a single tick mark on 
any kind of a scorecard till she was two and a half, like not even a fluke once, which I didn't think was possible when people said that. I was like, oh, you're exaggerating. And then I had that child who, you know, by 18 months, she would only wake up maybe once a night, once or twice. Right. And by two, it was like getting better. It was like 4 a.m. But she did not start sleeping through the night until she was two and a half and not consistently until, I don't know, three or three and a half. So it was a lot. And during that time, you know, I had two other kids who occasionally would wake up for a bad dream or whatever. So I've known people with worse, but I I think I I can speak for those who had a pretty prolonged, I'm going to say like seven years of never sleeping through the night pretty much. And now I have slept through the night with with that, you know, except for those little exceptions, the bad dreams and the kids who are sick, but regularly slept through the night for two, a year and a half or two years now. And it's a game changer and it will it happen, really Sarah. It might not, your nine month old might be one of the tougher sleepers and you might have to go longer, but it will happen. And it is, it is a like biochemical game changer in how you feel about your day. So there's, Absolutely. we've talked a lot about coping mechanisms when you're not getting that sleep, but it will happen. And that is light enough, I think, for some people. Yeah. Well, gosh, right. I guess we just summed it all up right there. Yeah. Sleep is great. Um, <laughs> kids get older and get easier. That's that's pretty much how it goes. Um, okay. So before we wrap, I have a couple of housekeeping notes. Um, one is thank you guys for your responses to our listener survey. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You guys are the best. Um, we have a couple hundred responses already. We're leaving it open for... Um, a a month or so because it's really important to us that we hear from like a pretty big cross section of our listenership. So even if you're a new listener or even if you're an occasional listener, um, it's not a long survey. It really helps us understand what you do and don't like. Um, Someone told us they wanted to punch us at our New Year's episode and turned it off halfway through. I thought that was a little violent. Interesting. I didn't see that one. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, well, it's one thing you didn't like it. I don't think we need punch to punch us. Violence is violence um, doesn't necessary. No. But that that's the that's the extreme. We're hearing a lot of really great constructive feedback and um, a lot about who you are and where you guys live and how many kids you have and all of that is really influential to us. So the link will be in the show notes. I'm sharing it on social media frequently. Um, it doesn't take very long. And if you've been meaning to email us, a lot of people say, "Oh my gosh, I've been meaning to email you forever," and I keep forgetting. This counts because there's a place in there where you can give us an episode idea or tell us about yourself, like. So this counts as just any any way you can reach out to us. Um, you can do it all at once. Um, also wanted to mention that I have an interview with Christine Coe, our friend, coming up this Friday. So one of our Voices series. That's going to be a really great one. Um, if you great. are an Etsy or aspiring Etsy shop owner, we're going to talk a lot about what it's like to make to make something physical after you've been a writer and all these other things that doesn't have don't have a physical product. Christine's story is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so all you Etsy. Etsy lovers, um, tune in for that one. And then um, stay tuned at the end of this episode because we're going to have a little segment with our kiddos. And that's always fun. Fun. That's that's all I have, Megan. So, all right. Well, I guess we'll sign off for now. Yep. Show notes are at themomhour.com. And this was episode 142. Hi, what's your name? Violet. And Violet, what do you think mom does for work? A podcast. How many hours each day do you think mommy works? Could say three. Three. That's probably pretty close. On the days that you're home with me, three is probably pretty close to what I work. What's your favorite part about mom's job? That sometimes I get hit to talk on the podcast. Yeah, you're on it right now. Thanks for being on the show. Bye. Hi, what's your name? 
Read. And Reed, what do you think I do for work? I think you're on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Do you have any, can you name some things that I do as part of being on a podcast, like some specific parts of my job? Some specific parts of your job are advertising, making it, it so people can like have fun listening to your podcast. Oh yeah, that's a good one. How do I do that? You do it, it uh, by uh, putting things into in good words. Okay. Yeah. Words, uh, and uh, making uh, like the people learn something. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, do I spend a lot of time on my computer? Like a few hours per day. Yeah, that's not bad. All right, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Allegra. And Allegra, what is your favorite part about me being a podcaster? I like that sometimes from sponsors, we get like mailed stuff. Yeah, we do get some packages in the mail sometimes. What do you want to be when you grow up? I want to own a restaurant. Cool. So if you ever have kids someday, do you think it will be hard to figure out how much you want to work and how much you want to stay at home? No, because my restaurant's going to have a kids program. So... I can, like, drop them off there, and, like, it's going to have art and games and stuff, so I hope it'll be fun. Okay. Well, you let us know when your restaurant is up and running, and we will give you free advertising on the podcast. Thanks for being on the show. Thanks. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know I am fan number one of The Teas Made. It's got such a cozy vibe, and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines, and home and family life. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts, or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes.